talked about it yesterday, just that chip on your shoulder. Everyone talking about a neutral AFC championship game, not even thinking about you guys. How much did that motivate you coming into this? You better send those refunds. <laughs> I'm from the city where they gotta play us. Fuck a coin flip, it's time to pay up. Don't cross the middle, 21 in the cut. We ain't hiding from nobody, run and tell them it's up. I'm from the city where they gotta play us. Fuck a coin flip, it's time to pay up. Don't cross the middle, 21 in the cut. We ain't hiding from nobody, run and tell them it's up. Back to back champs, kings of the north with it. Thinking they can hang with us, still ain't jumped out the porch with it. Long bomb to chase every Sunday, watch him go and get it. Double up on him, then we gon' double down on T. Higgins. This old void in the mix, now you really iffy. Every Sunday, showing boys how to really gritty. They try to shuffle up the game on us, but they ain't icky. Flip the coin, kick the toe, ride to the go and get it. Never know what's gon' happen when Joe drop back. He gets shiesty in the pocket, I get shiesty on the track. Nobody on the team, all pro, that's all cap. Most all around team in the NFL, that's all facts. And came across nobody yet. It seemed like they can hang with us They said we couldn't be Buffalo But see how we call they bluff Underdogs every week They keep on trying to label us Put your money on us Even the Vegas don't favor us No matter what We really came up now It's hard to fail I dare you come across that middle Vaughn gon' ring your bell I know we under they skin Them boys built frail Eli Apple out there Chirping like a next tail You don't want Sam and Trey To come off them ends Rita clogging up the middle Like a big body bend Right behind them Logan and Pratt The turnover twins Jesse base in the backfield Just to clean up the loose ends We just drafted Cam and drafted Hill Instant gratification every time that they on the field We can't go back to what we was cause that's the loser way It's been hard to throw on us since we picked up a woozy eh? It's like win after win, feel like we could really do it Zach Taylor doing the same for the city, I give it to him And I bet Samaji will find a hole if you give it to him Hayden Hurst don't need a hole, he just plan on running through him Just hand it off to 28 and let him do the dash Getting hit by BJ Hill probably feel like a car crash Every week it seems like Lou digging deeper in his bag And if the game on the line, all my favorite money match I'm from the city where they gotta play us Fuck a coin flip, it's time to pay up. Don't cross the middle, 21 in the cut. And we ain't hiding from nobody, run and tell them it's up. I'm from the city where they gotta play us. Fuck a coin flip, it's time to pay up. Don't cross the middle, 21 in the cut. And we ain't hiding from nobody, run and tell them it's up. That's right, they gotta play us. What's going on, y'all? Welcome to the show. This is Sports with Strawberry Ice. Yes, I switched it back to Sports with Strawberry Ice because well, I did a Twitter poll, and that's what you guys decided you wanted. So we'll still talk Bengals. We got Dan Horde on today. We'll talk Reds. We're gonna talk Bearcats. You know, kind of how the originally the show started. Anyway, do me a favor. If you found the show, hit that like and subscribe button. Smash that thumbs up. You guys are awesome. I'll be up to 2,214 subscribers. As always, I appreciate every single one of you guys. If you're watching on Twitter or Facebook and you have yet to subscribe to my channel, why not? Please do so. Please go to the YouTube channel, Sports with Strawberry Ice. Hit the subscription button. Hit the bell for the notification. Every time I go live, you'll be notified. Also, in the YouTube chat crew, we're doing super chats. So if you got a question you want to ask Dan, the man, or if you got to, want to support the show, give me a super chat. I greatly appreciate it. And as always, I'm coming from, from, to this glorious place. If I can talk today, this glorious place called the Ice Cave. The Ice Cave is brought to you by T Properties. T Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out the website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs. And you know what? I wear it most days. I got the flag behind me. I got some of the beer. But jackpotjoey9.com is always in effect. If you want to support the Joe Burrow Foundation, please go down there and buy a hat, buy a shirt, buy anything. Go uh, buy a Cincy hat it's from, uh, you know, Ted Karras. He's got those going. There's lots of good charities going on. So we're trying to help people out. Make sure you go check it out at jackpotjoey9.com. All right. What's up there? We have chat strangers in there first. What's up? Brad's in there. Travis is in there. Kevin's in there. 
Ross, Jackpot Joey's in there. What's up? Where you been at? Anyway, I don't think he's been in Florida. I know what he's been doing. He's been in Florida catching big fish is what he's been doing. I mean, he's just living his best life. Anyway, let's get to the voice of the Cincinnati Bengals, the voice of the UC Bearcats. He's the man, Dan Horde. What is going on, Dan? Iceman, how you doing? I see you've got your Joey Votto number 19 t-shirt on, so you are ready for his triumphant return tonight at 710. I am. The Canadian Cowboy is back, and it's kind of funny. Some people don't want him back, and I'm like, if he could come close to doing what he did, like, oh, he might mess up the chemistry. I'm like, it's Joey freaking Votto. I mean, you've got to at least give him a shot, don't you think, Dan? 100%. He's Joey Votto. He's one of the best players in franchise history. I get it. People get infatuated with the young guys. They're playing extremely well. I can't wait to go to the game tonight. This will be the first game I've attended since opening day. Uh, and I'm really excited about this team. I've gone from kind of apathetic a few weeks ago to obsessed because oh, uh, there's so much fun right now and they're really, really good. Uh, but let's see if Joey Votto can be the Joey Votto of old or something close to it because if he can be, he can help take this team to the next level. Exactly. That's the thing. It's like, try. You have, you literally have a Hall of Fame player on your roster. Why would you not give it a shot? If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I mean, that's that's just what it is. But, I mean, Dan, I don't ever remember a team ever in history to have a chance we're having four. If you bring CES, it would be five guys that have a chance to win Rookie of the Year. I mean, the Reds, all, all top five or top four in the Rookie of the Year at the end of the year could be Reds. I don't ever remember a time or one team had that many players come up and be this good all at the same time. Off the top of my head, I don't either. Now we're getting a little bit out ahead of our skis uh, based on a few weeks. But I'll tell you what, Matt McClain certainly looks legit to yes. me. I made the comparison that his swing reminds me of Paul Molitor a week okay. or two ago. So short compact, repeatable, doesn't chase bad pitches, just looks like the type of guy who's not going to slump. Right. Uh, you know, Dela Cruz is unbelievable, but he's going to have his ups and downs right. with a big power swing like that. But McLean, man, that guy is solid as a rock at the plate and in the field. I love watching him play. Yeah, I love Matty Bats. I love we got uh, Rake Fraley back. I got all kinds of nicknames. But Ellie De La Cruz, the most electrifying man in baseball right, right now. I have never seen anybody beat out a hit to the first base like he did yesterday. It was a shot, great play by the first baseman. Ellie sprinting down the down the first baseline, dives for first base, and he's safe. I mean, is he the fastest man alive? Uh, he's not that as long as Usain Bolt is still living. But right. <laughs> I mean, I've seen guys beat out balls like that and be safe at first, but they don't hit 485 foot home runs. We're talking about guys like Vince Coleman or, you know, Lou Brock back in Rick the day. We're not talking about guys that hit it two rows from the, the top of the stands in right field. So to have that kind of power and speed, you know, you're talking about the Mike Trouts right. of the game. Right. And, you know, De La Cruz hasn't proven himself anything close to that extent but the potential is there to be that kind of impact player. Exactly. All right, let me get to my son's question here before we get too many people in the chat. And I forget about it because they're like, what you didn't answer my question. All right, so it's a question for Dan. What's your favorite call of last season? And if you could think of a specific thing you said, then what was your favorite game to call last season? 
Basically, what's your favorite game to call last season? Put it that way. <laughs> well, my favorite game to call was the Buffalo playoff win for two reasons. Number one, it was an incredible performance. The Bengals were the underdog going into that game and not, not only won, but completely dominated a really good Buffalo team. But secondly, that's home for me. I'm from Jamestown, New York, which is a little bit south of Buffalo. That was the stadium I went to as a kid. I went to the first game ever in that stadium, a preseason game against the then Washington Redskins. Uh, the Redskins returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown, which made people think that, you know, the Bills might be jinxed in their own stadium. <laughs> but it's always surreal for me to broadcast a game in Buffalo because I was sitting in the end zones watching O.J. Simpson, mm -hmm. Joe Ferguson, and then the great teams with Jim Kelly and Thurman Thomas and Bruce Smith and Andre Reid. So to be in the broadcast booth, for a playoff game and see the Bengals play the way that they did in the snow that day. Uh, that's uh, a memory for a lifetime for me. Now, now, do you think the white jerseys gave the Bengals an, an advantage as one of the Buffalo Bills players said? <laughs> I asked Dave Lapham that question on the podcast and he chuckled. What would the, I, I'm not sure what the advantage would be. Did, did they somehow right. blend in? Right. Was it camouflage? I, I'm not sure the logic behind that. Somebody yeah. will have to explain that a little bit better for me. That 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 was interesting. I mean, that was the the most complete game the Bengals played all year, and that was without our full offensive line again. Now, this is one thing I know you read Bengals a Bruce question. I sent one out to it. I basically asked the same thing because me and Dale have had this conversation on the show here with the offensive line that we have, and with the Super Bowl and the AFC Championship game. Every time we get there, somebody one, two, three guys are hurt on our offensive line. I'm wondering now, it looks like under the salary cap, we can keep everybody, which means keeping Lael. Now, well, you put him on the pup list, you know, maybe he he's ready to go. I doubt he's going to be ready to go at the beginning of the season. I'm just curious, do you think the Bengals will keep everybody? Because we're going to play, hopefully, 2022 games. Most likely, like if it's the last few years or any indication, we're not going to have all of our offensive line there. So having somebody like Lael as a backup, I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, I know it's a lot of money, but what, what, what's your thoughts? I think you keep Lael Collins as long as you possibly can. There will come a point where it might be impossible to keep him if they're able to sign the guys they want to sign. Mm -hmm. If you sign Burrow, then Wilson, then Higgins, whatever order. Right, right. I'm not talking about that in an order. But if you right. sign all three of those guys, now you're talking salary cap issues. That's why people keep saying that Joe Mixon is ultimately going to have to you know, accept a pay cut. I don't know if that's true or not, yeah, but I, I do think that if they get into a salary cap crunch situation, L. Collins, in my opinion, is probably the first guy you'd have to cut back because right. of the injury situation and because of the depth that you've now accumulated on the offensive line with Jonah Williams' willingness to move to right tackle. Yeah, and the thing is, and, and I, I always, this is a big topic ever since they signed Zeus, which I went, ballistic about it. i went live that night i couldn't believe we got him and then jonah comes out and wants to be traded which listening to jonah speak i understand where he's coming from because i mean I, I understand a Bengals point of view where i think it happened really quick they might not have time to really reach out to jonah but afterwards <laughs> that they didn't really say hey we signed him you know we want you to move the right tag at least give him a heads up and for him to come out and say that they've never talked to him about it i thought that was a little i don't know off they should have at least said something but i mean it seems like jonah's got over it and were you ever worried about, i guess my question is were you ever worried about jonah moving from from left to right no i never was and i was pretty sympathetic initially when he requested a trade i didn't 
necessarily understand his motivation completely. I thought it had more to do with his marketability. He's in the NFL. It is years at Alabama. Left tackles almost always get paid more than right tackles. So I thought Jonah was, you know, looking toward his future, right. the likelihood he'll be a free agent at the end of this year, and thinking it's better for me to be a left tackle than a right. Now, it turns out that that's not necessarily the reason why he requested the trade. It has more to do with the fact that he felt that he deserved one-on-one uh, -on -one confirmation right. or an explanation from the front office before it came out publicly. Um, the bottom line is I knew all along that he was not going to leave $12 million on the right. table this year. He's a team player. He's a smart guy. Um, he's going to move to right tackle, and I think he's going to play it solidly. And he's one of their five best guys. So uh, I think that offensive line shapes up pretty well with Orlando Brown Jr. left tackle and Jonah right. Yeah, and the thing is, if he proves he can play right tackle, I think that makes him even more valuable because he proved he can play right tackle. You say what you want about him playing left tackle. I, he's he's an average left tackle. I wouldn't say he's above there, but he's a good, solid left tackle. And like you said, there's, there's what, 36 tackle positions? I can't remember, 26? I can't remember what, what he said. 64. But, Two 64. For See, me and Matt don't get along sometimes, Dan. <laughs> but there's not that many jobs. So, I mean, if he can get one left or right, why, you know, he's, he's going to take it. It just makes him more versatile. I think this offensive line, could be the best one we've had since 2015, probably. Oh, I don't think there's any question about that. If they're healthy, it's right. a solid group now. Mm -hmm. And Jonah didn't play very well last year, but he dislocated his kneecap in game five twice and got it out the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. If you look at his pro football focus numbers from two years ago, I think he was top 25 right. overall among tackles. Jonah Williams is a very solid football player. He may never be a pro bowler, uh, he may never be what you were hoping he was going to be as the 11th pick in the draft and the first offensive lineman taken in his class. But healthy, he's very, very solid. That's what I expect the Bengals are going to get out of him at right tackle this year. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of Andre Smith. Remember everybody was wanting Andre Smith to be the great left tackle and everybody always complained about it, right tackle. Andre Smith was a solid right tackle. I mean, I don't care what anybody says. If you go back and look at his career, he was a solid right tackle for the Bengals, and that's – what we need Jonah to do. And I'm not comparing, I think Jonah's better than Andre, but it's just a, a comparison of, of how their careers, what people projected them to be and how they are right now. Yeah. You know, they, they kind of get to the same end point in two very different ways. Andre Smith is a guy with unbeliever or was a guy with unbelievable size and strength, uh, but battled weight issues. Jonah Williams, unfortunately doesn't have the length that you would ideally like, or the bulk that you would ideally like for a left tackle in particular, but he is the ultimate technician. His uh, work ethic and studying the other team's defensive players is as good as anybody in the NFL. So he's getting the most out of his physical ability. And again, I think he's going to be very solid at right tackle this year. Yeah, and Zeus and Cordell Volson are two of the biggest humans I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> I'm I'm not you see me, I'm not that short, but those two tower over me. <laughs> I'm like uh, I feel like a midget. <laughs> yeah, especially Orlando Brown yes. Jr. It's really interesting, or it was interesting during the minicamp practices, just to see the starting five offensive linemen or any group of five offensive linemen standing together. And Orlando Brown Jr. is a, a head taller than everybody else there. Mm -hmm. He's like Andrew Whitworth was, yes. just a physical, genetic freak. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons why he's been so good in the NFL. All right, let's get to some questions here. Uh, Anthony says, uh, what's your thoughts, Ice and Horde? Do you see a chance Joe or T's contract extension gets done before the start of the season? 
I expect Joe Burrow's contract to be done before the start of the season. I still think that that's going to be the case. T, I don't know. Um, they're certainly doing everything in their power to try to hold on to, to T and Logan Wilson. It's going to be up to T. Does he want to be one of the top handful of highest paid wide receivers in the NFL? I don't think the Bengals can do that because they're going to have to make Jamar Chase one of those guys. Right. But is he willing to be you know, one of the top 10 paid receivers, top 15 paid receivers, whatever that number might be, right. then I think it's very possible that they'll get both done before the start of this year. Yeah, the, T, the thing that scares me about T is his agent. I mean, the Bengals have had a very hard time dealing with his his agent, and I don't know if they've ever – have they ever got any of that agent's players signed? I, I want to say no off the top of my head, but I, I don't know. Well, we, we all know most recently Jesse Bates was right. represented by the same agent. Jesse bet on himself and contractually it paid off. He got 64 mil from the Falcons. Uh, good for him. But the Bengals got Orlando Brown Jr. for the same 64 mil. So mm -hmm. to get a four-time Pro Bowl left tackle yeah. for the same dollar amount as a safety, I think that was pretty shrewd business by the Bengals. Exactly. I'll take it. Now we got the Bearcats going to go into the Big 12 this year. Now Dan here, or Brad, excuse me, says, Dan, what's your prediction for the Bearcats this year entering the Big 12? It's going to be challenging in year one, particularly after the coaching change. I think it would have been challenging anyway had Luke Fickle stayed around. But with the ability to transfer and play right away mm -hmm. and the impact that NIL is having, uh, keeping your roster is hard to begin with. And keeping your roster when you have a coaching change is impossible. So right. I've been very impressed by the players that this coaching staff is recruiting for the future. But year one is a transitional year. I'd like to think that. Hopefully they can post a winning record and, and qualify for a bowl game. But to anticipate that they're going to have the, the type of record they've had for the past several years, that's probably not going to be the case in year one in the Big 12. Yeah, and I don't know about you. I was a little surprised that Luke left when he did. I mean, I guess hindsight, I understand he wasn't going to leave when we actually had a chance to be in the Final Four. I get that. But everything – I mean, the reason the Bearcats are going to the Big 12 – is Luke Fickle. I mean, he's one of the biggest reasons, if not the biggest reason, they're going to the Big 12. And I understand you going to Wisconsin. I get it. It sucks. But people ask me, like, oh, aren't you excited about our, our new coach? And I'm like, ah, yeah. They're, well, they're like, well, weren't you excited about Luke? I said, well, not really. I mean, he was, you know, yeah. he was defense quarter Ohio State. He didn't do all that. I didn't know he was going to be this good. And maybe Satterfield will be this good. I have no right. idea. And I know it was, he kind of left Louisville, and it's kind of a, a you know a dumpster fire there, <laughs> you know, as far as the uh, administration goes. I think it had a lot to do with why he's leaving. I am really curious to see how they do. I'm not. I'm kind of waiting to see how the season goes, you know, and, and just sure. just it, it's just I don't know. I, I don't know how to answer that because I'm not sure what the Bay Bearcats have and and how they're going to play, you know, stepping up a notch because Big Twelve is a a big step compared to AAC. Correct. Nobody knows right. if Scott Satterfield is going to be wildly successful at UC. I don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows. Right. But we didn't know about Luke Fickle either, as you right. pointed out. And people were not all that excited right. about the hire. They were cautiously optimistic because they were coming off Tuberville. So at that oh, point, yeah. everybody wanted a change. Any coach was going to be given, <laughs> you know, some hope yes. from the fan base because they yes. wanted the other guy out mm -hmm. in Scott Satterfield's case, everybody wanted the other guy to stay. So right. that makes the expectation level different, but he was highly successful at Appalachian state. Right. 
he had a winning record at Louisville. I know it didn't go as well as he would have hoped or their fans would have hoped. It started well and then, you know, kind of went so-so. But I do think that the dumpster fire aspect of what's been going on at that school for the last few years was a factor. Mm -hmm. I like the guy personally. Uh, I don't know him well yet, but we've spent some time together. I think he's put together a great staff. Uh, the players like him a lot. So let's give him a chance. Luke Fickle was four and eight in his first year. Right. Yep. Uh, and then they took off from there. So again, I think it's a transitional year, but I'm I'm very eager to see what Scott Satterfield is going to be able uh, to do. I do think he's got a very bright mind for offense. Yeah. Uh, the offensive coaches that are on his staff talk about him like UC coaches used to talk about Brian Kelly, like he just had this innate ability to call the right play at the right time. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what that offense is going to look like going forward. Now, with that being said, do you have any inkling of who might be the starting quarterback for the Bearcats? I know it's early. It's, you know, it's still could, you know, things could change. But what's your thoughts right now of, of which way they might be leaning toward? I think Emory Jones is the overwhelming favorite now okay. that Ben Bryant has transferred home to play at Northwestern. It was Bryant or Emory Jones during spring football. Evan Prater wasn't healthy, wasn't able to throw much. Uh, the other guys are really young. I do think that true freshman Brady Drogosh is going to be an excellent college football quarterback. But I think barring something really strange uh, in the training camp leading up to the season opener against Eastern Kentucky, it's almost certainly going to be Emory Jones. And that, I mean, that's what helped Luke. I mean, I, I remember when, when Reader came in the UCLA game, that was the moment that I'm like, okay, we got a quarterback. And, and quarterback is the most, I don't care what I said, it's the most important position, I think, in, in sports. I mean, the Reds are excited. We got Ellie De La Cruz, but it's it's not like when we got Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow changes a franchise. I mean, it's just the way the quarterback is, position is. And that's the way it is in college football. And that's what I think Reader did when he became the quarterback for the Bearcats. And that's what I think, has to like hopefully happen for the Bearcats moving forward in Satterfield's you know, first year. And Prater, we thought it was going to be the guy, hasn't worked out that way. I'm kind of disappointed, surprised, you know, uh, and it, it, it's going to be really interesting to see just how this whole thing plays out, I think. I think Emory Jones is a really good fit for Scott Satterfield's offense. If you look at his track record, both at Appalachian State and at Louisville, he's thrived with dual-purpose, mobile quarterbacks. Malik Cunningham at Louisville is the perfect example, statistically one of the great dual-thread quarterbacks in recent memory, and that's Emory Jones' game. He's a good runner. Uh, he's had some success as a thrower, particularly two years ago at Florida. I think one thing to keep in mind with this UC team this year is that they got hit incredibly hard at the wide receiver position. Yes. Yes. Two guys got drafted, mm -hmm. Trey Tucker and, uh, and Scott. Yep. And seven guys transferred out. Right. So you lost nine wide receivers. Now they brought a bunch in, uh, but they're not Tyler Scott or Trey Tucker. Right. And when your wide receivers are a bit of a question mark, it helps to have a mobile quarterback who, yes. if there's nobody open on a particular play, can take off and gain a few yards. So Emory Jones can do that. And again, I think he's a good fit for Scott Satterfield's offense. Exactly. Now, the next thing we have is West Miller and, you know, the Bearcat basketball team going to the Big 12. And I have no doubt in my mind, West Miller is a great recruiter. I have no doubt that he's a really good coach. I'm still, as Bearcat fans are still waiting to see it. But if you look at last year's team, it wasn't as talented, but he still coached his butt off. And, and, Going to the Big 12, which, in my opinion, this is going to be the toughest basketball conference in, in the country. 
But that also helps. We could get nine teams out of there to make the NCAA tournament. So I think there's a really good chance that the Bearcats can make the tournament. Now with Jizzle James and all these guys coming in this year, with a lot of new new faces, new talent, how long do you think it'll take them to gel? What's your thoughts just moving forward on the, the basketball team so far? Well, I think it's certainly a program that's trending up. 18 wins in Wes's first year, 23 wins and a trip to the Elite Eight of the NIT this past year. So certainly it's going in the right direction. And the job he did this year between the, the high school players that he signed, one junior college player, and then the, the transfers that he was able to get, uh, tremendous. Right. I mean, Aziz Bandego is arguably the best shot blocker in the country. Right. Throw anything near the rim and he dunks it in. Uh, Jameel Reynolds, if he can slim down a little bit, is a great low post threat. C.J. Frederick might be the best pure shooter in the country. So Wes has done a phenomenal job. Now, a big question mark is going to be, is Bandago eligible? Mm-hmm. Is Reynolds eligible? They're second-time transfers. It sounds like the NCAA is going to try to crack down on, on that a little bit, but we'll see. If both of those guys are eligible, I think Cincinnati is an NCAA tournament team. And as you pointed out, they're no longer in a league where only the top two or three teams get in. Right. West Virginia was seven and eleven in the Big Twelve last year, and I think they were an eight or nine seed in the NCAA tournament. I certainly think this Cincinnati roster, especially if Aziz and Jamil are eligible, is capable of winning at least seven league games in the Big Twelve, as good as that league is. And I hope to God we at least beat Houston. I am so tired of losing the the Houston Cougars. I really want to beat them so bad this year. But uh, what now, so? This is a new era of college sports in general. Uh, they got the NIL. How is that changing things? Like, like how much more is that for the coaches to take on? Because some of them, I think the Bearcats have this, have their own NIL coordinator. Is that how, how that's all? Collective. Working? It's called a collective. Okay. Yep. So how is that changing uh, just recruiting in general? It's changing everything. It's, you know, I mean, we we know that stuff like that mm-hmm. has gone on, particularly right. in some leagues, but it wasn't in every league right? Uh, and at every level of, of college hoops. Now it is. I mean, that's one of the first things that comes up in the recruiting process. What right. can you do for me in NIL? I think Cincinnati has improved where that's concerned. Let's be honest. You don't get the the type of transfers that they've been able to land right. if that wasn't a factor right now Cincinnati is never going to be one of the the biggest paying schools in the country they're not capable of of spending with the likes of some schools in the SEC and the Big Ten but mm-hmm. you've got to be competitive at least in right. that area and I think they've gotten to that point pretty quickly so it's changed everything it's not going away no. so you better be realistic about it and understand that that's part of the process if you want to have great players. And the thing, other thing that's not going away is conference realignment. I mean, it's constantly happening. I think eventually they're going to have, you know, one or two conferences, and that's that's it. What's your thoughts on where the Bearcats have positioned themselves as of right now moving forward with the realignment that is coming or could be coming? Well, they finally have a seat at the table in the Power Five, mm-hmm. which is a godsend for yes. the athletic program just because of the money you get from TV. They're going to be making more than $40 million a year from TV within a couple of years. In recent years, they've been making less than 10. Mm-hmm. So compound that annually. You know, you're adding more than $30 million of TV money to your budget year after year after year after year. So that's great. Now, on the other hand, 
the Big Ten and the SEC have positioned themselves to the point where in a couple of years, they're going to be getting 80 million dollars a year from tv so the big 10 and the sec have kind of separated themselves Mm -hmm. from the rest of the pack financially but i do think the big 12 right now has done a great job of of kind of putting itself into the position of being the third best league going forward Mm -hmm. so cincinnati is going from the sixth best league if you include football Uh to probably the third best league and it's an enormous difference financially from three to six. So be nice to, to be pulling in those big 10 or sec dollars, right. but, <laughs> but at least they're going to be making a, a big chunk of money that they've never made before. Yeah, that's one bad thing. I said, we're since positioned, we're right in between big 10 and right between sec. You got Kentucky below us and Ohio state above us. So that's where I think that's always kind of hurt us. Just our, our position, you know, in the country of where we're at. Anyway, Dan, You've been on for almost half hour. I don't want to keep you much longer. I know you want to get to the Reds game. Um, I want to give a shout out to your your awesome neighbor. I got to get him over to come and help trim my trees. So you know, tell Frank to my come man over. Frank. Yeah, you know, tell Frank to come to the yeah. West Side. I need some tree trimming too, man. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to the podcast. So you know the story of Frank. We've got a beautiful deck at my house. It's one of the nicest features of our home. And there are big trees between our deck and our neighbor's house. It gives a nice privacy wall once the leaves grow in. But those branches have been dangling way over the deck it happens every year and god love frank he comes over he's got all the tools he saws he trims but this year in particular we really had to take some big branches down and my man frank he's climbing trees he's dangling (laughs) out over the deck i thought he was going to break his neck Uh, i was terrified but he he cut those branches down the only thing i had to do was handle the cleanup which was considerable, but it certainly wasn't as hard as his job. So I am grateful for having a great neighbor. Exactly. Well, hey, make sure everybody checks out the Bengals Booth podcast. You and Lab do an awesome job. I mean, seriously, I'm so happy you were part of the Bengals uh, broadcast team. I, I've enjoyed you for years when you're on 19, doing the Bearcat games forever. So, I mean, I, I hope you stay here forever. You know, And anything else you want to uh, plug before I let you go, Dan? As long as you're giving me the opportunity, Iceman, I would like to to plug the podcast that posted yesterday specifically for Father's Day. I had the opportunity to set up a conversation with Jimmy and Jimmy, Jimmy Burrow and Jimmy Chase, father of Joe, father of Jamar, together for a Father's Day conversation. I thought it was awesome. So I, I hope people have the opportunity to check that out in the Bengals Booth podcast. I will definitely check that one out tomorrow. And I want to give you a shout out. The one I really liked, and I told Orlando Brown when I saw him down at the banks, I love the one where you basically got out of the way. It was Orlando <laughs> and Anthony Munoz on a phone call, and they were just talking back and forth. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is cool. We're literally eavesdropping on a phone call conversation. That's That was, that was one of the best ones I think you've done. That was so much fun. And, you know, I, I try to do my homework, so I've got my little notepad here. And, you know, typically I'm writing down a million questions. I want to be prepared for any lull that might come up in the conversation. Right. Like you said, I asked the first question. I barely talked the rest (laughs) of the time. Orlando Brown was so excited to interact with Anthony Munoz and pick his brain about the craft. That was a a thrill to be a part of. Uh, They met face to face for the first time last week. Uh, after the Bengals' final mandatory minicamp practice. That was cool because Orlando is like a kid in a candy store. Right, right. That guy, he is so charismatic oh, and awesome. amiable and friendly. Yes. 
Uh, I, I'm just so happy he's part of this franchise because he is a breath of fresh air. Uh, two of my favorite guys that I, I've met on the team is, is Orlando Brown and then my best friend, Ted Karras. I got to say best friend because, you know, Dale, my buddy Dale claims everybody's his best friend, but Ted's my best friend. I'm still, I'm still claiming it. Hear that pork chop? But anyway, <laughs> but those two are they're they're just normal guys, and that's one thing that's so cool. I've said about the Bengals, just the guys that are on the team. They're regular dudes, you know. They just play and football. Ted, yeah, and Ted and Orlando have hit it off. So maybe two weeks ago, something like that, I got a text from a buddy who was at a Cincinnati bar, and he was like, "Hey." Orlando Brown and Ted Karras are in here. Come on over. So he was so excited to see those guys hanging out together. So uh, they formed a, a fast friendship. And I think that entire O-line unit is tight, which is great. Exactly. And that's what you have to build friendship on and off the field to really be a cohesive team. And that's what this this team, I think, does better than any team I've, I've seen in any recent history, honestly. With that being said, Dan, you got to go to the Reds game. I don't keep it any longer. I appreciate you, and uh, I'll see you sometime. I'll probably see you at training camp or something. Sounds good, Iceman. Thanks for having me on. You too. Thanks. Bye. Who day? All right, guys. Hey, hey, go check out the Bengals Booth podcast. I'm going to listen to it tonight uh, while I'm at work. You know, Jimmy uh, Burrow and, and Jimmy Chase, that would be awesome. So, like I said, go check out Dan Horty. He does an unbelievable job on his podcast. I can't wait. Now, tonight, we have... I keep calling him the Canadian Cowboy. And the reason I'm calling him the Canadian Cowboy, if you didn't see the Instagram post or the Facebook post that he's getting the Joey Votto's in the red suit with the bat and the cowboy hat and the eye black, I'm like, it's the Canadian Cowboy. Look, I know some people are like, don't mess up the chemistry. Don't mess the chemistry up. It's Joey freaking Votto. You, <laughs> this is probably his last year with the Reds. And I keep telling everybody with this team, Enjoy what we have right now because what we have right now doesn't always happen. Just enjoy jo watching Joey Votto. I know Satori is like, oh, why do you want to watch Joey Because Joey Votto is one of the best hitters ever in baseball, okay? The man's going to be a Hall of Famer. This might be the last time you get to see him in a red uniform. He might suck. I don't know. He might be great. But it's Joey freaking Votto. you got to give him a chance to at least play. And if he could come anywhere close to what he was, I'm telling you, you get him and then they got to bring CES up. Everybody keeps saying, well, we're going to play everybody. Steer can play left field. We got DH. You can move people around. You figure it out. I mean, having too much talent is not a bad thing. I will take that every day. If you can't, it's up to David Bell to figure out where to play him and like that or not. But anyway, I'm enjoying this. I hope you guys are. I'm going to watch them. We're going to Buckethead tonight. Go check out the, the game. I got some money on it. I tweeted it out. I have won money on Three games in a row now, so I'm having a blast watching this Reds team. I hope you guys do. Like I said, that's why I guess I switched the name back to Sports Strawberry Ice, just Twitter poll and everything. Tony Pike. You got to call my show. I mean, come on. What's going on here? Because <laughs> I don't know if you guys listen to the talkbacks. One of the talkbacks on uh, Tony's show today was somebody was like, please, please go on Strawberry Shortcake's podcast so we'll stop hearing about Tony Pike coming on his podcast now. Hey, publicity is publicity. I'll take it. <laughs> anyway, let me get to the Facebook groups that let me live stream. As always, I appreciate every single one of you. They are Who Day Nation, Who Day Legion, Bearcat Ruckus, Radical Reds, the Ohio State Bucknuts, the Ice Bar. And then you can follow me on all my social media platforms, all under Strawberry Ice on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Twitter handle is at Jeff A. Trotopole. TikTok is at Iceman90. I'll be pulling a sound off later on tonight, putting on the podcast on Beanpot, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitch Play. 
pretty much get your podcast. Please make sure you rate, like, and review. Leave a comment so more Cincinnati fans can find my co- my podcast. YouTubers, like I said, my originals, 2,214 subscribers. I've been doing this for five years. I appreciate the hell out of you guys. I enjoy doing this. I love being given the opportunity to talk to Dan Horde, being friends, semi-friends with Ted Karras. I know I say best friend tongue-in-cheek, which he knows who I am. That's cool enough. Orlando Brown knows who I am. These guys know who I am. It's it's freaking unbelievable. I, if you would have told me five years ago that I've been able to do a podcast and I would have met half my friends I hang out with on Twitter, <laughs> I would have said you're crazy. Or if 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 Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow knows sort of who I am, but these guys know me. Dan Horn knows me. It's awesome. I just I can't believe it. I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I just appreciate it because if it wasn't for you guys, none of this would happen. I mean, I'm being dead serious. Has nothing to do with me. You guys watch it, tweet the show out, everything. So I appreciate everything you guys have done for me. And tomorrow, we got Gary Miller from Local 12. I discussed Joey Votto's first game. Maybe it's not a whole lot happens. Maybe something happens. I don't know. Either way, I'm going to go watch the game. 7-10 tonight. I'll see you guys. We're going to be at Bucketheads. Come say hi. Ready? Other than that, that's just sports, baby. See ya! Yesterday, just that chip on your shoulder. Everyone talking about a neutral AFC championship game, not even thinking about you guys. How much did that motivate you coming into this? You better send those refunds. <laughs> I'm from the city where they gotta play us. Fuck a coin flip, it's time to pay up. Don't cross the middle, 21 in the cut. We ain't hiding from nobody, run and tell them it's up. I'm from the city where they gotta play us. Fuck a coin flip, it's time to pay up. Don't cross the middle, 21 in the cut. We ain't hiding from nobody, run and tell them it's up. Back to back champs, kings of the north with it. Thinking they can hang with us, still ain't jumped out the porch with it. Long bomb to chase every Sunday, watch him go and get it. Double up on him, then we gon' double down on T. Higgins. This old void in the mix, now you really iffy. Every Sunday, showing boys how to really gritty. They try to shuffle up the game on us, but they ain't icky. Flip the coin, kick the toe, ride to the go and get it. Never know what's gon' happen when Joe drop back. He gets shiesty in the pocket, I get shiesty on the track. Nobody on the team, all pro, that's all cap. Most all around team in the NFL, that's all fact. And came across nobody yet, it seemed like they can hang with us. They said we couldn't be Buffalo, but see how we call they bluff. Underdogs every week, they keep on trying to label us. Put your money on us, even if Vegas don't favor us. No matter what, we really came up now, it's hard to fail. I dare you come across that middle, Vaughn gon' ring your bell. I know we under they skin, them boys built frail. Eli Apple out there chirping like a next tail. You don't want Sam and Trey to come off them ends. Rita clogging up the middle like a big body bend. Right behind them, Logan and Pratt, the turnover twins. Jesse base in the backfield just to clean up the loose ends. We just drafted Cam and drafted Hill. Instant gratification every time that they on the field. We can't go back to what we was, cause that's the losing weight. It's been hard to throw on us since we picked up a woozy eight. It's like win after win, feel like we could really do it. Zach Taylor doing the same for the city, I give it to him. And I bet Samaji will find a hole if you give it to him. Hayden Hurst don't need a hole, he just plan on running through him. Just hand it off to 28 and let him do the dash. Getting hit by BJ Hill probably feel like a car crash. Every week it seems like Lou digging deeper in his bag. And if the game on the line, all my favorite money match. I'm from the city where they gotta play us. Fuck a coin flip, it's time to pay up. Don't cross the middle, 21 in the cut. And we ain't hiding from nobody, run and tell them it's up. I'm from the city where they gotta play us. Fuck a coin flip, it's time to pay up. Don't cross the middle, 21 in the cut. And we ain't hiding from nobody, run and tell them it's up.